Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to another Garibaldi Red Summer Special as we catch up with Forest fans and faces well, around the world in this instance. I'm delighted to be joined by a podcaster and blogger for, I think, the biggest sports podcast network in the world in Barstool Sports. And our guest this week is from Barstool Chicago in Barstool Chief. Chief, hello, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. I'm, I was thrilled that I got this call to come on the podcast. I think I've been listening fairly consistently since about January. So I found the podcast and, you know, really love you and Greg and uh, and then Bertles. Like it's been it's been very helpful for my forest education listening to this show. I'm glad Harry Greg is going to love that you said that. I'll definitely yeah. as soon as we finish recording, I'm going to message him and tell him that you said that. I'll be very <laughs> pleased. So, um Obviously, you're a forest fan, and we'll come on to all that. But I was reading up on you and um, kind of your journey to get to where you are now. Like I say, you're a successful podcaster and blogger and everything at the moment. It was a bit of a weird road to get there, wasn't it? Were you working in marketing or something for quite a few years? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm 36 years old, and I've only been doing uh, you know this media with Barstool media job for uh, started January 1st of 2019, uh, doing it full time. So before that, I had uh, different. I was in beverage packaging. I was in uh, a, a type of uh, email internet marketing. I had all sorts of different jobs as I was just kind of going through being a professional. I never had any intention of doing this uh, professionally. I, you know, was a philosophy and economics major um, in in school, and and I just kind of I loved Barstool when I was in in college, and they announced that they were coming to Chicago in uh, 2012 or 13. And I'm a big uh, ice hockey fan. I know you guys have the Nottingham Panthers. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm a big hockey fan and a big Chicago Blackhawks fan. And I played hockey, you know, my entire life. So I emailed them uh, and they basically said, you know, you can write for free on a tryout basis. And this was uh, spring of 2013. And if people like you, you can stay. So I was just doing it more so as a hobby and a way to kind of stay connected to hockey and and be a part of this. You know, Barcel was very small back then. And then eventually I think they started paying me like a stipend of like $200 a month. Uh, that was like several years later. So most of the time I was doing it just for free and for fun as something like you know, a side project hobby. And then, uh, like I said, went full time in January of 2019. And this has become kind of my career now. So I never intended it, but it's been I've really enjoyed it and very thankful to, to have this position. So just for people who aren't too familiar with like Barstool, and specifically what you guys do. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you broadcasting every day? I know you've got a couple of podcasts. I listen to a bit of them. Is it Redline Radio and The Dog Walk? Are they, is that the main stuff you do? Those are our two main shows, yeah. So Redline Radio is, uh, is I would say, is pretty hyper-local. Uh, we really only talk about uh, you know Chicago sports. and We have, we have five professional teams here, six if uh, you include the MLS, the Chicago Fire, who are in last place. 
so we don't talk about them often. But all of our teams are in last place, so we should maybe <laughs> mix them in. And uh, so that one's hyper local, and the dog walk is more national, and it's becoming kind of international. We, you know, I, when I was over, I, I went to the game at Wembley and, and spent the weekend in London, and bumped into several people who were, you know, English people who were dog walk fans, which blew my mind. And then every once in a while, we'll get Australians or. You know, basically a lot of people who speak English around the world seem have found that podcast. So, you know, most of our audience is obviously the United States, but we, we're kind of growing. We talk about all kind of whatever interests us. So, you know, it could be, you know, some kind of weird conspiracy theory, some kind of current events. We do these on Mondays. We just talk about random things, but we do it in a draft form and people seem to like our bickering and bantering. And and that's really all that show is. It's just kind of topical news. Is it mad to you that you make a living out of it? It I have I was just talking to my brother, and I'm sure we'll talk about him in a in a minute because he's the one who introduced me to Forrest. Um, but it's been an incredible like this year has just been incredible. Wembley, I was, you know, we go to New York and it's and it's it's a really fun job that I would I would just do this type of have these type of conversations in a bar with my friends, but now I just, you know, now I get paid to do it. So I feel very fortunate. It, it's it's it had every time I stop to think about it. I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this. So, uh, yeah, I feel very fortunate. It is it is crazy to think about. Let's get into Forest. And like you say there, you've got the Blackhawks, the Cubs, the White Sox, the Bears. I think that's it. And Chicago Fire, I think you mentioned. I mean, that's a lot of sports teams to cover. Yeah. Uh, why did you feel the need for more room in your, your mental space for another team to follow? Yeah, so I, I've been looking for a long time. So, you know, the World Cup was here in 94. Um and every young kid play, and I, I love all sports. So when the Olympics come, I watch curling. I like golf. I like I like all the sports. But I, I've always really loved, you know, soccer. I know you, you know, it's kind of a disconnect there. I don't. It always makes me uncomfortable <laughs> when I call it soccer to an English person. But I've always loved soccer, uh, going back to when I was eight years old. And then, it, but we never had access to English football when I was a kid. It wasn't on TV. wasn't just wasn't available. And over the years, as it became we're having, can you hear that? And we're having some kind of construction in the background here. A little bit, but it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so, but I, I, you know, so I, I, as it came on NBC like 10 years ago and like, you know, we were talking off camera before I'm, I'm a morning person. So I would just get up and I would put on a game and it'd be a random game. And I always wanted a team. So I would, I, I loved Alan Shearer when I was a little kid. So I like Newcastle for a little bit, but it was never, nothing ever like the way I feel about, the Blackhawks or the Bears. It was just not the same, you know, it was just kind of a passing, um, you know, and I ne never even cared if they were on or not. It was just like, yeah, maybe Newcastle. And then, um, you know, Landon Donovan played for Everton. So I'm like, oh, you know, he's our American hero. And then Dempsey was with Fulham. And I would, so I'd kind of pay attention to those, but I was never a fan. And, uh, and then my brother ended up going to school um, for college in uh, Nottingham. And he got there and bang, COVID hits. So he had planned on having going to school in England, finishing school there and using England as like a jumping off point to uh, go see all over Europe and Ireland and Netherlands. And and he couldn't. So he was locked down and he fell in love with Nottingham. And so we would always, you know, he and I are 10 years apart, but we're, we're very close. And he's a big sports fan, too. And so he was there for the collapse in 1920. And um, and so we would just talk about it. And it was like every so like my love for force is kind of organic. So every time I learned something about the club, 
I and I'm like, that's really cool. That's I love that. And I love the logo and I'm I love history in general. So when I found out, you know, they're one of the oldest clubs ever created in sports, 1865, like 1865, like that's Abraham Lincoln like that. You know, it's it's so long ago and that's how long they've been playing, you know, football in Nottingham. So it's one of those things I just kept like little by little. And then I found myself like, oh, like, you know, I'm watching the championship, even, you know, at the end of last year. And, you know, they're terrible, but the games are sometimes on ESPN Plus. So I was able to watch a few. And then it's like, man, it's not on today. Well, I'll just buy the match pass on Forest TV. And so, you know, so it was just like I found myself and then they would, you know, if they lost, I was feeling genuinely disappointed. So it was like, what is going on here? It almost like my love for Forest almost happened without my direct knowledge. It was just like I woke up like I actually really care about this team. I don't know what happened. And then this past year. You know, it was it was unbelievable, you know, with, you know, so I'm loving the team. I'm learning about the songs and the history and all this. And then, you know, they they bring in Cooper and they they start winning and they start winning and they just keep on winning. And it was just this emotional roller coaster that ended so brilliantly in Wembley. And I got to go to uh, Smithfield in New York and met Dan White and all the, you know, so it's for us around the world and, you know, kind of meeting people through the Internet. I love the people. I've really like everybody's been so good to me. And then, you know, I, I feel like I'll just be friends with some of these people that I've met like forever now. Like it's just a really it's unlike any club that I've come across. And it's like this special kind of community. And I, I, I they have my whole heart. And the thing I always say, like I wasn't obviously wasn't born into forest. I will die with forest. Like that is that is genuinely how I feel. And I I. I feel so like fortunate and almost blessed to have found like this club. And it feels, it feels real to me. So I I can't wait for the season. I can't wait for August. Yeah. I mean, I guess from what you say now, you're, you know, you're very grateful to your your brother, but was there a while where you were cursing him thinking, why don't you go to school in Liverpool or Manchester? Because yeah, they forest were terrible for a while. Yeah, I know. But it, and that was always a turnoff to me about those clubs where they don't really experience to me. It doesn't seem like real pain. And I feel like that is part of being a sports fan where it's not, it shouldn't be all sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, like in, in America, there are people who are fans of, you know, the New York Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys and the, um, you know, Los Angeles Lakers, cause they just win all the time and they will be fans. They'll be from, you know, some place in middle America, but those are their teams. And we look down on those people. But then when it comes time for Americans to pick a, a soccer team, an EPL team, they always pick the equivalent of the Yankees or the Cowboys or the Lakers. And that's what it, there was always like a disconnect to me. I never wanted to be a fan of Chelsea or Man City or, or Man U. Cause it just didn't, it felt like cheating and like skipping, you know, like we, we have an expression in America called you being born on third base where you're like, you're mm-hmm. almost home to score all the time. And that just never sat right with me. And there's something kind of romantic about forest and, you know, the 23 years without being in the Premier League, but they once had this glory and there it's this constant chasing of it. And it's the story is so compelling and it almost feels kind of like a, uh, like an underground band that you just love and you're watching them kind of, they'll never get the radio plays necessarily and they'll never top the charts, but the people who know they're in the know and they love it. And, and it's, they might be the best, even though they've never had like the, the true, true success in a long time. So um it just it there's so many things that are appealing about even down to the logo and the colors and you know there everything about forest to me it just seems perfect and perfect for me like that's 
And, um, and, and like I said, like the people, like I, you know, like we're, we're out in London and you can tell there's a difference between Nottingham people and London people. And I kind of gravitate towards the, the Nottingham people just on like a, a cultural community basis than, you know, some of the others. So it was, it, it's, like I said, it's the perfect club. I read a blog that you'd done about coming to Wembley and it raised an interesting point I'd not thought of. I mean, in Nottingham, like you mentioned, the Panthers, you know, people enjoy the Panthers, they'll support them. The cricket, they get 17,000 people as the rugby. And people enjoy them and their fans, but Forest is like indoctrinated and it's a hardcore thing. And it, is that a bit different to America? Like, oh, the football season ends, I'll follow the baseball, I'll follow the hockey. Is it not quite so hardcore? Is that a distinction, do you think? I think I think the American sports are probably as there are there are def, there is definitely that okay where it's very hardcore like I I really care about the Blackhawks but there's always there's always hope around the corner and there's always optimism around like the the sports kind of you know they go in seasons so if it's like you know it softens the blow like all of our teams are terrible right now but you know the Cubs season will end here soon like they're they're long out of it. They have no chance. But, you know, the Bears start training camp in August, and we won't admit that they're terrible until October. And then, then the hockey and the basketball is starting. So there's always something a little bit to soften the blow of being terrible is that there's always something else around the corner where you guys, if it's if it goes badly, then you're just watching it go badly for, you know, the majority of the year, for, you know, mm-hmm. 10 months out of the year. So – it's a little bit different. There are definitely very like we're very hardcore. We're, we're, we're such a crazy sports country. It's so it's such a big part of our culture. But there is because there's so many, there's many distractions um, instead of just having the one team that you're in love with. What's happened to the Bulls? I, I mean, I don't follow basketball closely. They used to win everything. Have they, what's, they've gone to hell. Yeah, basically, they've been they've been uh, since Michael Jordan left, they've been uh, essentially terrible with a couple of they, they went to the conference finals one time with we had this homegrown kid like our own Brennan Johnson, if you will, you know, from the streets of Chicago, who the Bulls managed to get. And then they, he got him very close to the to the finals. And then it was the next year where they were supposed to get beat LeBron James and get over the hump. And the first playoff game, he blew out his ACL and he, he was never the same. And then the team was never the same. So they, and they've been, this past year, they were better. They made the playoffs, but it's, it's, you know, they're, they have no true like championship aspirations. They're just kind of right now. They're just kind of there, but in the nineties, which I was really kind of too young for um, Mm -hmm. to really appreciate. Like I was, I was 11 uh, the last time they won. So I was like five, six years old when they had the initial early nineties run. Like, I don't, I don't remember that hardly at all. So it's not, it's almost like kind of with you guys with, you know, your last appearance in the Prem where it's, yeah, we know about it, but it was so long ago that it doesn't really register the way it would now as an adult. The Blackhawks were great in the, they won three championships in from 2010 to 2015. So that was a great run. But before that it had been 50 years. So mm. it's, you know, it's, there's some, some parallels between Nottingham and, and uh, Chicago sports for sure. That was one thing people kept saying to me online was like, why would you choose them? Like, they're, they're never good. You're going to be miserable. And I'm like, I am very comfortable being miserable. That's all, like my entire existence is mostly being miserable. So feel, I'll fit right in. What do your friends think about supporting Forrest and your Barstool colleagues who you do the podcast with? So they, 
they're not uh, as inclined to follow soccer as I am here specifically in Chicago. We have other people around the company who are uh, soccer fans. Like we have a bunch of Liverpool guys. Uh, we have um, two people. We have one guy. We have two Arsenal fans. One of them's from Zimbabwe. And the other one is this guy Troops, who people might know. He's, they're both Arsenal fans. And we have another guy. I've never met him or spoken with him, who I believe is a Tottenham fan. And um, so they, everyone's been like, this is, you know, they know I love the game, but I was just casually, you know, I'd watch everybody, whoever was on TV, I would just watch in the morning with my coffee. And, um, and now they, they love, like, we had a bunch of guys from Barcel came out to that day, the semifinal um, at Smithfield. So I was in New York for that. We had a bunch of our guys come out because there's like, this is cool. And even the Liverpool fans were like getting into it and loving it. And I, I do think that there's some, an element of man, I wish I could just switch to forest because you can't, you can't capture what forest is in these other clubs. Like it's, they're, they're just so unique and so special and everybody, especially in America loves an underdog and, and forest has that element too. Mm. I want to ask you about some of the, the differences in structure in American sports. I mean, talk here of sacrificing relegation and promotion and, you know, the transfer market for a draft system. That's like sacrilege. What do you yeah. what do you make of it as someone who's not grown up with the the concept of promotion and relegation because of franchises? I love the concept of promotion and relegation to a degree. Like that that game at Wembley, and you know, and I've been to Game Sevens, you know, which is you know big, you know, the elimination game when you have championship aspirations, and they're they're in, insanely intense, especially in hockey because it might just be the one goal or the one chance. Um, it's nothing like that championship final. It, it's because if you lose, you stay down, and then all of your players that you've fallen in love with are gone. And it, it, it's so it's like the, the downside is so huge that it's way more intense. And um, so, you know, I, I like I like the draft uh, in a way. Um, the, I got to say, so I, I've always been aware of, obviously, the transfer market, but this is the first time where I've ever really tried to to follow it because Forrest is in the premier league. There's more money. There's, you know, the loanies and all it's driving me insane. It's driving me <laughs> insane. I'm watching all the rumors. I, you know, I'm following uh, Fabrizio Romano and following trying to just, and it's like, they're linked to this guy. They're linked to that guy. I'm like, I've never heard. I don't know how you guys keep track of all these guys. Like, how do you know who's in the German league and the, you know, the, you know, the Bundesliga league one, like all it, it's, it's infuriating. And it's like you hear these rumors and then the rumors go away for a week and then they pop back up and you can't you don't know who to trust. It's I'm going insane. And I find myself, you know, if I wake up in the middle of the night checking Twitter because I'm like, well, they're awake over there. So I'll just check check real quick to see what's up with Jed Spence. And like maybe there's, you know, like that kind of it's driving me. It's driving me insane. (laughs) Let's talk about Wemby then. You came over. How did you find the experience um, emotionally and just the whole thing of being over in, in this country and trying to, to take it all in. What was it like for an American coming over for the, the first time to see a game like that? Yeah, I, I, I've said this on our shows and, and other places. It's I think London's my favorite city that I've ever been to. So just um, aesthetically, it's it's beautiful. It's clean. I, I love, you know, like I said, I love the history. So I got up and I, you know, I walked to Westminster Abbey to see that. And then I walked over to Tower of London and, you know, took the you know did the walking tour and you know tried to take that all in like early on uh, Saturday morning because I got in late Friday night, kind of got up and then I and then you know walked through the different markets and 
tried to just kind of look and observe and walk, you know, walk around along the river. And, and, um, I just loved it there. Like the, the beautiful, the, the way the trees are and like the little side streets. And I, I love the drinking culture. Like here, like everything's kind of loud and there's music everywhere there. It's just like these old pubs and it's just guys tell, sitting around telling stories and dro- and jokes. And that's really more my style. And, you know, I have this one bar in Chicago called Declan's, which is like an old, you know, traditional Irish or English style pub with dark wood and poor lighting. And I go there all the time. And I said, there's a Declan's on every corner, seemingly in London. So it's I really love that. Everybody's in, you know, and the spirits were high. It was like no one was no one seemed nervous. All the forest people, no one seemed nervous right up until we walked. We did the Wembley Way. Like once we got on that, everyone was like, we have to get locked in. Like, this is going to be terrible. But before that, like there was just a sense of like camaraderie and community and like everybody singing the songs and, you know, the pints were flowing. It, it was I had it was the best sporting experience, I would say, of my life. And that that weekend was just absolutely incredible. Uh, it would have even if they had lost, it still would have been like a memory of of a lifetime because. The whole trip, it was such a whirlwind. There, I was there, like landed, saw London, hung out. My brother came over, uh, met up with Dan and Greg and and, and Carl, who are you know those are big uh, Dan and Carl, like big uh, New York uh, Forest supporters. And uh, so we you know we made it happen and met up and and we just had we had a such a fun time. And um, and then the game went, you know, it was an ugly game, but mm. it went the right way. So that just made it all that much better. And and it, I couldn't imagine, couldn't script anything better than that trip to London. I can't wait to come back. I'm going to come back in the spring and I'm going to try to get to the Tottenham game and then come up uh, to Nottingham for like three, four days um, and, and see a game at City Ground. So I feel like I really I have to check that off my list. I haven't been so. Um, I, I can't wait to do it. And I, you know, my brother, you know, he was there for like two and a half or three years. I almost wanted to like, if I was going to reach him or send him a package, I almost felt like I had to send it to South bank pub because he was just living there. So, uh, so that's, you know, I want to, I want to experience that and, and have a city ground on game day. Um, so that that'll be in March. I'm going to come over in March. Does that feel like a bit of a pilgrimage for you then in a sense to see the grind and Nottingham's got so much history around, yeah, Robin Hood and just general yep. sense of rebellion, really. Does that appeal to you? Oh, absolutely. And and I think that's part of um, I, I think Nottingham Forest has a chance to really grab a lot of Americans who there's a lot of people like me who watch the EPL uh, religiously without having any rooting interest. And I think if, if they're marketed and they tell the story of Forest uh, the right way, I think it's going to grab a lot of people because there is like that people know the name. They know the Nottingham name just because they grew up with the fairy tales, you know, of Robin Hood. And that's that story has been told and told and told and, you know, in cinema over and over and over. And so we like there's that kind of sort of familiarity and they have the great logo. And, you know, you've lost that love and feeling like they know some of the songs just inherently. And I think there I think there will be uh, a lot of American fans now that every game is on Peacock. Uh, which is, you know, a streaming service in America that is going to carry all the games. I think a lot of American fans will will kind of gravitate towards Forrest the way that I have because it is such a great story, and there there is no club like Forrest. So all the people who don't want to just latch on to one of the big clubs, I think they'll find their way to Forrest. 
what kind of what is the breakthrough of the, of, uh, the Premier League in English football in America? Because you've got so many big sports, you've got bit four massive sports already. Is the Premier League still growing every year there? Absolutely, it's growing every the, the game in general. Like I, I think people are very excited, uh, not only for this World Cup but the World Cup that we're going to host along with Canada and Mexico in 2026, because we have this generation, and we're hoping it's more than just a generation that we're going to continue to produce these you know, champion, Champions League level type players and give ourselves a real chance to be, you know, world power in soccer. And so there's like a, a, a general excitement and growth. And the MLS has really grown too. Like that uh, Atlanta, um, I think their team, I, I, I might be slightly off on this, but I think they're, they, they're, they have the fifth highest average attendance in the world for soccer. They get like 45,000 a game in Atlanta. Uh, Seattle is very passionate about their team and it's not great quality, uh, football, but it, it's, it's really catching on Columbus does great. Kansas city does great. So it's a sport that's almost, it's, it's way down the pecking order right now, uh, for the MLS. But the, one of the things that the EPL has going for it is the time difference. So our sports on Saturday don't really get going until noon or later, you know, our American football and other sports where the EPL, they, they fit into a time slot where there's not a lot going on. So you, you kind of get up and, and I do think that there's going to, I think the gambling element, uh, is that becoming more and more legal, in, in, you know, across the country, people will wake up and have something to watch and something to root for and care about. And it, so, you know, me, I get up at six, you know, there's championship games at six, EPL games at six, then nine and then 11. And then, then you click over to watch American football and then, you know, so, that's it. It really kind of filled. It scratches an itch that's kind of empty on the uh, on the TV schedule for sports because I do that time difference is very beneficial. You mentioned Nottingham Panthers earlier. I covered them for about four years when I first joined the paper, and I started off with a pretty basic level of knowledge. And over the four years, you know, could understand the differences between the lines and dumping the puck and tactics around when you want to fight and all that kind of thing. What's your level of knowledge of uh, of football now and are you keen to grow it or are you not that bothered to the you know you need to know the difference between four two three one and four three three formations and everything no I, I mean it's i i would still say i'm pretty green or novice about it but i love learning new things in general so uh, you know i've been following the game for a long time so i know the difference of the formations and i'm such a, a huge hockey fan that I've noticed that there there's there are a lot of similarities between the two sports structurally uh, in terms yeah. of how you score. Where you know football you, and basketball, you, it's you have very clearly defined plays. Where in in foot, uh, you know English the English soccer English football, it's very similar to hockey, where it's about timing, space, creativity, guys filling filling lanes and filling spaces. So just like looking at the movement. It, the way people score it is similar to hockey in a way. So it, it maybe hockey fans might be able to have it click a little bit more easily. Um, but there is a lot of, a lot of similarities in that and crossover in that. Um, but yeah, I still have, I have a ton, a ton to learn. And I feel like every time I, you know, that's why I'm really glad I found your podcast. I feel like you guys have helped me learn a lot and I, you know, I'm trying to take in as much as I can. Cause I, I I'm a genuine, genuinely curious person. And, um, and I, I think I just, you know, I want to learn and learn and learn as much as I can. So I'll be, uh, hopefully someday I'll get to a point where I feel like very comfortable speaking. Like I wouldn't, I would never like question at this point, something that Cooper did. 
because I don't feel qualified. So mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, Cooper did that. Must be good or hope it's good. But I don't really have, you know, I won't, I wouldn't have a critique at this point. Or same thing with Dane Murphy where, you know, you know I just kind of trust that guy. So we'll just see how it goes. And because I don't know any better where if something were to happen in, you know, in hockey or football, I would have like an opinion be like, that was wrong. They, they should have done this differently where, where I just, I'm not at that point yet as a fan. Hmm. You could have critiqued Chris Ewan, don't worry. He's messing up left and right. I don't know what he, how, but I know it's bad. Somebody yeah. other guy can do it better. Yeah. It's going off on a tangent, which we sometimes do here. What's the best sport to watch live, do you think? So I've seen, obviously, a lot of Panthers, a lot of soccer. Um, I, I've watched the Red Sox and I've watched Tampa Bay mm-hmm. baseball, all different experiences. Which one do you most enjoy watching in person? Uh, they're probably all in person. I would probably say, well, I'm always, my answer is probably always going to be hockey. Um, like I, I, I love hockey. That's been my, my game my entire life since I was, you know, four or five years old. So, and, and I would say that might be the general consensus. So hockey is the fourth most popular of our sports here, but I think everyone would tell you that in person, uh, if you get into an arena with, you know, 15 to 20,000 people, it is the best sport in person. Like there's a big gap. Uh, so I would say hockey. And then on TV, there's just something about American football that is just it just translates to, to TV so perfectly. The, the pacing of it where, you know, you have your play and then there's a, a stoppage. So you can talk about it, the replay. So everybody feels like you're constantly able to get coaching from the, the analysts on TV because there's just time. So every single time you run a play, there's another 30 seconds to break down what just happened. So everybody has like an inherent deeper knowledge of, of football just because the sport um, is conducive for that. Um, but I, I love, I, you know, there was something about Forest TV and then ESPN plus watching on TV this year where I, I actually found quite unique and interesting that the camera angles were seemingly always different. You're playing Huddersfield away um and it was like, this is a weird, this stadium is like a little box. But the, so the camera angles were always a little off or interesting. So that was kind of, that reminded me of baseball a little bit. But I would, yeah, I would say hockey is probably the best in person. American football is great on TV. And, um, and I, I actually think, I think soccer really translates well to TV too. Like it, it's, I, I do think that they should, or I wish that they would play up the crowd volume a little bit and, and get it, maybe have like, maybe have you or Greg or somebody with a microphone in a block and, and <laughs> we can pick up the crowd noise and talk to people that while it's going on or have that vantage point, because that is, I, I say that we need more singing in American sports. Like that is the, the way that you guys support your teams and are fans of the teams and your game day experience. We don't really have anything quite like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might have songs like after a big play, but it's not, the organic, we're going to sing this almost a cappella, um, the way that that English football does, and I, I'm so envious of that because I think it's so much fun. So, what have you got then? Is it like just like let's go Blackhawks? Is that basically? Yeah, it? let's go Hawks. It's like every kind of every team has like the same generic chance. Uh, we college football, especially in the southeastern United States, is probably the closest thing where they have, you know, these traditions that are a hundred years old and different fight songs and and that are little unique quirks about every, every stadium and every team, but it, it's that's that season. You only get eight home games a year as opposed to, you know, 18 to 20, depending on, you know, what, what leagues you're in over, over in England. Yeah. I saw a video. I don't know which college it was. 
like Virginia Tech or something where they come out to oh. into Sandman or something yeah. like that, and the yeah. whole audience is jumping up down. Forest sort of have that with Mullenk and Tyre, but right. that theatre is something that you think football could benefit from, like soccer could benefit from, maybe. Yeah, and then I would say uh, the Columbus Crew uh, in the MLS. They yeah. they they sing. Uh, it's a great clip on YouTube. You guys can look it up if you're interested. But they sing like that Elvis song. I can't help falling in love with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sing that in in unison, and that like it gives you like even I don't care about the Columbus Crew at all. But you watch that, and it gives you like a chill because you're watching twenty two thousand people, and that's like a it's a soccer specific stadium. So they're the only ones. You know, like the, the Chicago Fire play in the Bears stadium. So it's just it's too big for them. You know, it's too big for the MLS. So it's it it's hard to have these traditions pop up in Chicago. But Columbus Crew, they have this dedicated fan base and they, they I don't know how that tradition started, but it's very cool uh, that they do that. They do it at the at the end of every game. So um, so, yeah, so we, we need more of that. I wish we had I wish we had more of that here. Yeah, people should look up that um, end yeah. of Sandman one. I think there's another college that does like jump around or that's, something like that's that. That's Wisconsin. They do it in between the the third and fourth quarter, and that that's awesome too. I've actually seen that in person. That's a lot of that's a lot of fun. But so there there are a few there are a few that that do similar things. But it's it, it's never while the game is going on like the way it is uh, mm. in England. So I I just feel like it's a, a more fun way to do sports. Like the fans are more engaged, uh, and it's almost more about what you're doing in the stands and necessarily than what's going on on the field. So it's like a mixture of both. Like I kind of feel like you're going to have a good time regardless of, of the result. Um, when you go to these different soccer stadiums. Yeah, I know what you mean. I went to, when I went to watch the Red Sox, I think it was the year they actually won the world series after that such long break. And you have like the seventh inning stretch and it, yep. it feels like you're part of it. And even if they lose, right. they, they lost that night actually. But, yeah. Well, yeah. They won the World Series, so that was cool. Boston's really nice. Um, I want to go back to Wembley then, just briefly. Were you kind of, it was the emotion of those last six minutes of injury time, were you counting them down with everyone else and thinking, oh, you know, oh my God, it's so close and, you know, we can still blow it and everything like every other fan was thinking? Well, yeah, and they had the drama of, you know, the the VAR, the two mm-hmm. uh, probably, probably should have conceded at least one of those. So mm-hmm. got fortunate with that. And then there was a time where it's like I, I didn't have the stopwatch run on my phone. One of the guys in our section did. But I, so I turned to him and asked. And, he, and I was like, this has to be eight, nine, ten minutes. Like, what is with this delay? And I, he's like, it's been two minutes and 12 seconds. And I'm like, <laughs> OK. You know, so it was just like that time was crawling by. And I looked over at uh, Dan White, who was to my right. And he looked like he was going to just collapse. But he was on, you know, hands on his knees, like couldn't really watch and just the stress of it all. Um, and then, you know, you're waiting Samba's, you know, delaying things a bit. And then they finally, you know, the last kick and the whistle goes and it was, it was euphoria. So it was, it was like a gut wrenching time stood still um, an extra time there because it was, and that's another thing I've just never quite uh, experienced as a fan because, you know, there's been times where I'm, you know, with the Blackhawks where they're up and they're trying to preserve a one goal lead late. But you can always just look at the clock. You know that there's two minutes and 10 seconds left as opposed to like, I hope that you're just waiting for the ref to decide Yeah, that's enough. So, so we don't, we don't have an equivalent of that here either. So it was, it was, you felt like you were like walking in the dark, you know, feeling around for the end of the game. And, and if, when it finally that whistle blows and it was just jubilation, it was, um, it was, it's a thing that I will never, ever forget. 
So how are you feeling about next season then? Because in, I don't know, if, would an American sports analogy be that Forest is kind of like an expansion team in the terms they're going to have to build a new team pretty quickly and they're entering into sort of unknown waters because they've been away from the Premier League for so long. How, how yeah. are you feeling about it? I don't know how to feel. That's one of the things that's driving me insane. And and everybody was saying, all the, you know, the Forest people I've gotten to know are saying, you know, don't fall in love with the Lonies. Yeah. And I was like, I can't help it. I love Jets fans. I love James Garner. I love Keenan Davis. Like, I love these guys. And it's like, so it's the fact that they're kind of like, I don't know. I was hoping you would kind of tell me how to feel because I don't know what to make of this because you hear you're going to have this budget and you're, and then, you know, they sign these different players, but I don't know who they are. Uh, you know, I don't know who Henderson is and if, if he's a for sure upgrade or how much, what that gap is between, you know, 17th or, in the premier league and, and, you know, third in the, in the championship. And it's, you know, and you just kind of get sucked in. And I, I remember going to, I really like Ryan Yates, but I went to, uh, you know, we have the globe pub here in Chicago where the Chicago Forest supports media games. And we we're just talking and the consensus there, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, and maybe they've changed their opinions too, was that Ryan Yates is not really an EPL player can't play at all in the EPL, you know? So it's like, I really don't know what to make or what to expect in this next season. Um, but I am just going to be blindly optimistic because that's kind of how my personality is. And, and I, I really do like the things I've read and listened uh, with, with Dane Murphy and, and how, you know, and Steve Cooper, I, I'm just going to choose to believe that they're going to find the right pieces and stay up. And that's and then build on it from there. So if you think otherwise, uh, maybe you should keep that to yourself. <laughs> I want to go. I want to go into Newcastle on August sixth, feeling feeling good about our chances. Oh, I think you can. It's a trip unto the unknown, isn't it? I mean, teams historically, like Leeds and Sheffield United, have come up and had a good season, and their players adapt quickly and. I wouldn't write Yates off because you know he's going to work harder than anyone else in the summer and he's going to come back in the best shape. Yep. So, and then, like you say, Henderson. I mean, he is an upgrade on Samba, I think is the consensus in my opinion. And they're signing, as we record this, I could be completely wrong, it's going to come out in two weeks. They're signing the striker from Union Berlin and they're going to make big signings, I think. So I think there's a lot to look forward to, uh, certainly. So you were saying you, you think you'll be back in the spring that's your that's your plan and some of your earmarks and looking forward to now yeah yeah i, I can't wait so i we're definitely um I'm making that trip and we might, we might have a little bit of a group with us um but we're going to come over and maybe do like four or five days in london and i think we're uh, maybe like march 11th i want to say off the top of my head is that uh tottenham game i'm going to try to figure out a way to get into that the, the not having like a true secondary market for tickets uh in england that is, that's difficult for me because usually I would just like, I guess I'll just pay a premium because I want to go to the game. That's just not really an option over there. So I got to find a way to finagle my way into, into that stadium. And then same thing with city ground. Um, so that, that is, that is a plan. So in England for maybe seven days, and then I've been to Ireland a couple of times. So maybe do Ireland like three days in Dublin and then back to Chicago by the start of college basketball's tournament, March Madness. That's kind of, that's kind of mm. the plan. So just before we finish, I want I should want you to ask you before. I mean, who are your favorite players then? Which ones have you been drawn to when, since you've supported Forrest? Yeah, I mean, the honest answer is Jed. I, I, I loved watching him play, but I loved watching Brennan Johnson. Um, 
I got a soft spot for the back three too. I, I think Warrell, McKenna, Cook, uh, those guys are just, they just seem like warriors. They're just tough. You know, when Cook was like bleeding, seems like all the time. Like he was just bleeding. <laughs> yeah. he gets a knock on his head all, all the time. So I, you know, I, I really kind of appreciate that toughness. And I love James Garner too. Like the, I, uh, and Yates, like those were, those were, you know, there were so many, there was just such a lovable team, you know, and, and it seemed like, Everybody that Murphy and Cooper brought in, it was like Sam Surridge. Like, you know, what, why, like, why are they, why are they getting him of all people at the in January? And then, well, here's, you know, I don't know how how many he finished with seven goals, something like that. He had the hat trick, so it was just like every single guy. It seemed like they tapped last year had a little bit of magic in them at the right time, and uh, and and I'm hoping to kind of they're able to recapture that that formula to uh, to keep Forrest up because. It's been it's been so fun watching them play, you know. And I'm familiar enough with the league to know that Norwich is one of these. Like, I don't want to be. I hope they're not a Norwich where it's just up down, up down, up down all over. You know, seemingly every other year. I want Forest to be up and and hopefully stay up because I, they're you know. And people are like, why are you supporting a, a championship division team? And I'm like, I'm not. I'm supporting an English. Uh, an EPL team that's been down in the championship for 23 years, but they're an EPL team. They've just had a, a rough run of 23 years. So I, they, they, that fan base, that stadium, the history, they belong in the EPL in my estimation. And I, I hope that they do everything to, to stay up. Yeah. You've led into my last question nicely there. I mean, do you think if you saw your brother had gone to school in Norwich or Ipswich or wherever, would it have really stuck for you or is there something special about Forrest, about the legacy and the story that there's been around this last year or two? I, I think, I don't think so. I think it is something about Forrest with, you know, that name Nottingham, you know, resonates because of Robin Hood, the logo, the history, like no other te- team can replicate that. And then, you know, his story was more than he was just a student there. He went to a game and loved it so much. He had such a great time. But he was a student, so he didn't have any money. So he ended up, you know, getting a job, you know, ripping tickets. So he would, you know, work at the gates, uh, letting people in for. And then so he's like, I missed the first 10 or 15 minutes of every game. But then he got to go for free because so that was like his like, how do I get here? Well, how do I get to see all the games in person? I better just get a job with the team. And so I don't I don't think that if, if he went to Bournemouth or someplace like that, I don't think it would have grabbed me the way that Forrest had. I, I definitely would not have found Forrest without him. Um, but I don't, I don't think, you know, it was, it became deeper than just him being there because I, I do, I genuinely think it's a perfect club for me. Well, perfect notes to end on. Uh, we'll leave it there. So as ever, hopefully everyone enjoyed that. And if you did, do like and subscribe. And we'll be back uh, this time next week with more. And if there's any transfer news in the meantime, we shall return. Chief, I hope that was a good uh, experience for you. But thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And then, you know, just uh, all your fans and the forest, forest people around the world. Everybody's been so good to me. Like, every, you know, it's not like, hey, get out of here, yank. Uh, I think, you know, I, I feel like I've been embraced by that community too, instead of just, you know, kind of giving a stiff arm to, and then, you know, I love hating Darby and, and I feel like that gets me on people's good side too. So it's, it's been great. So thanks for having me. And thanks to all the, you know, the force people have been so kind to me uh, in person over there. And then, you know, on the internet as well. Well, it's good to have you with us and we shall be back soon. Thanks very much everyone. We'll see you.